Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. We got a brand new sermon series we are starting today, and it is called Reset. Come on, how many ready to hit that reset button? I am so ready to hit that reset button. So let's get into our sermon. Go with me to the book of James chapter 1. This is part one of our sermon series, Reset. I'm so fired up to preach to you. I don't know if you can feel it at home, but I'm so fired up to preach to you through the Word of God. I believe God has given me a word for you on this very first Sunday of 2021. Let's go. James chapter 1, verse 17. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It reads as follows. Whatever is good and perfect comes to us from God above, who created all of heaven's lights. Unlike them, he never changes or casts shifting shadows. In his goodness, he chose to make us his own children by giving us his true word. Catch that right there. Because of his goodness, he has given us his true word, meaning there's words that aren't true, okay? But we have his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his choice possession. Go with me to verse 22 now, and remember, it is a message to obey. What's the message? The true word, okay? Let's keep that in context. That true word, it is a message to obey, not just to listen to. If you don't obey it, you are fooling yourself. For if you just listen and you do not obey, it is like looking at your face in a mirror, but doing nothing to improve your appearance. You see yourself walk away and you forget what you look like. But if you keep looking steadily into God's perfect law, the law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this first Sunday of 2021 on this thought. There's an app for that. There's an app for that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time and the moments that we share here on this first Sunday of 2021. We are grateful, God, that you have brought us now into this new year. And Father, we just pray right now on this first Sunday that you would speak to us. Give us a word, Father, that's going to really set a pace for this year. I pray, Father, that wherever people are watching from, that you would meet them there, right there, whether it's in their homes, in their car, however they're watching or listening to this message. I just pray that your spirit reach them and speak to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. There is an app for that. Life gives us this incredible gift that we call the new year right? So the more that you live, the more that you get to experience this gift that I call the new year. January 1st is a day that comes with so much expectation. Come on, how many love January 1st? It's that time when you get to hit that reset button. January 1st is that time where we get to reset some things in our life, especially the things that need to be reset. It really is this gift that we have to start 
new. For some of us, January 1st means it's time to get in shape. For some of us, January 1st means it's time to get the finances back in order, spent a little too much money in December. For others of you, January is a time to become the person you wanted to become in the previous year, but it just didn't happen. But whatever it is that you're excited about, that comes with a new year. And so what I want to do over the course of this month of January is I want to help you. And that's why we're doing this sermon series called Reset, because I really want you to win. I really want you to succeed in that reset. But listen, more important than me wanting that for you, I believe God wants that for you. I believe God wants that for you, that you would reset those areas of your life that are out of balance, that you would reset those areas of your life that need to be changed, that you would go through every area of your life that is not the way it should be and hit that reset button. So let me tell you what I think of when I think about hitting the reset button. I think of the NES. Come on, anyone watching online know what I'm talking about when I say the NES? Any of you grew up in the NES era? If you're completely lost and you're like, what is Pastor Josh talking about? Well, let me break it down to you. The NES is the Nintendo Entertainment System, the original one that came out in the 80s with the tagline, Now you are playing with power. Come on, how many of you remember that at home? I loved the NES. It brought us some games like Super Mario Brothers, the Mario Brothers, the original. It brought us games like Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Come on, how many of you remember playing Mike Tyson's Punch-Out at home? It brought us games like The Legend of Zelda. Or how about this one right here? How about Contra? Come on, anybody remember playing Contra back at home? Come on, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start. Come on, you know, remember that? That was the code that would give you unlimited lives on Contra. Don't ask me why I still remember the cheat code. But anyway, I think about the original Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES system, because it had two buttons in the front. It had a power button and it had a reset button. You remember that? It had a power button and it had a reset button. And that reset button on the NES system, it was like a gift from God. Because you could be going through a game and be struggling and you didn't have to go and turn your system off again. Do you remember how long sometimes it would take to power? that system on and off and the booting up that it had to do. Come on, it was a nightmare. But if you hit the reset button, it allowed you to go back to the start without having to power down your system and power it back up again. That reset button was great. I remember I'd be playing a game and I just knew, oh, this ain't gonna end well. I'm not even gonna try to finish this game. I'm just gonna hit the reset button and we're gonna give this a fresh start. You remember hitting that reset button? But you know that reset button would become a problem. Anyone ever have problems over that reset button growing up? Because you could be playing a two-player game. You'd be playing against your brother, and maybe you were giving them a whooping on the game. And rather than them taking the L, and rather than them taking that loss, they would hit the reset button. Come on, maybe you were that guy. I can tell you right now that that reset button caused a lot of fights in the Herrera household growing up. (laughs) Me and my brothers, whenever that game just wasn't going the way that we wanted it to go. We just hit that reset button. And I love that reset button on the NES system. And and it, it really is when I think about it, because I'm a kid from the 80s. I'm just an 80s kid. When I think about that reset button, it's kind of like a metaphor for life. 
Because when I think about that Nintendo Entertainment System and I think about my childhood, it was easy to reset the younger that I was. Think about that for a second. How easy was it for you to lose weight when you were 12 or when you were 13? Think about how easy it was for you to drop 10 pounds. I remember being in high school and I'd have to drop weight every single week just trying to get to my wrestling matches. You'd show up on a Monday, hit that scale. Okay, I got to lose seven pounds this week. That's easy money. 10 pounds, we could do it. That's what we did because when we were younger, it was much easier to hit that reset button. I remember when I was getting married, I needed to save up money for my wedding. It wasn't very difficult to do because it was just me. I'm this young guy. I'm 22 going on 23 years old when I proposed to Joanna. Needed to save money. No problem. I had very limited, um, I had, had very limited responsibility as a single young guy. So it was much easier to hit that reset button. If I needed to reset some behaviors in my life, easy. Just drop my friends. It was very easy to hit that reset button when I was younger. And I think about that original Nintendo entertainment system. It's a little different than today, right? Because today, have you ever tried to reset your internet modem? Your internet modem, I think the manufacturer hides that reset button from you. Because not only do they put the reset button on that internet modem on the back of the internet modem, but then you can't even touch it with your finger. You have got to get a bobby pin or you have got to get a paper clip and you've got to become like MacGyver. There's another 80s reference for you. You've got to become like MacGyver and, and, and to get in there and to hit that reset button. It's complicated. When did it get so difficult to hit the reset button on some electronics? And the crazy thing is resetting your internet modem, that's a metaphor for life, isn't it? Because the ease of resetting the Nintendo system reminds me of the ease of resetting my life when I was younger. But when I got to reset the internet modem in my house, it's difficult. It's a lot of work. And it's like a metaphor for life. When did the internet modem become a metaphor for adulting? But, but that's exactly what it is. When I wanted to lose 10 pounds when I was young, no problem. I could drop 10 pounds in a week. Easy money. But now... If I want to lose 10 pounds, I need a meal plan. I need a gym membership. I got to have the right clothes because Lord knows I can't be going into the gym looking all dusty. I have got to have my pre-workout. I have got to have my post-workout. I might need to hire a personal trainer or get on YouTube and find some exercise. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Can I get a good amen in the chat section? When did losing weight become so hard? But that's just the metaphor for the internet mode. Resetting just seems to become much more complicated. And that's how life is. Life gets more complicated. And the older you get, the harder it is to reset. So listen to me. If you're young and single and you're watching me right now, make the changes you need to make now. Because life happens. And when life happens, responsibility happens. And when responsibility happens, it gets much more difficult to reset. Think about this for a second. Think about not finishing your education. Say you want to go back to college and you're like, okay, I'm going to hit the reset on, on, on my education. I'm going to go back to college. But if you've got three kids, it's a little harder. It's a little difficult to finish your education when you got three kids. How about rebooting your career? 
You want to reboot your career, but you've got a mortgage payment. That's not exactly the best time to reboot your career and decide, I'm going to go into a different field. I was in engineering, but I think I'm going to go into the medical field. But when you're older, it's much more difficult because now you've got a mortgage. You've got responsibility. You've got bills that need to be paid. So you just can't hit that reset button. Or how about launching that business? You always wanted to launch a business. You had it in your heart to launch a business. But now you've got the responsibilities because your kids are in college. And you'd love to launch that business, but you're paying for your kids' tuition. And Lord knows college is way too much money. And so hitting that reset button, the older you get, the harder it is. It's not difficult. It's so difficult to hit that reset button. And so what that does to you is you start thinking, it's too late for me. There's no way that I can make a change now. There's no way that I can hit the reset button now. You might be listening to this sermon and you're getting cynical thinking, that Pastor Josh talking about resetting, he doesn't know my struggles. He doesn't know my issues. He doesn't know my bills. He doesn't know my kids. He doesn't know my crazy boss. Go ahead and preach about resetting, Pastor Josh, but you don't know my life. You're right. I don't know your life, but you know whose life I do know? Abraham, and he's in the Bible, and he had a reset. So let's talk about Abraham for a moment. Abraham was a man that we find in the book of Genesis, and he really is the father of not just the Jewish faith, but even the Islamic faith looks to him as the father of their faith. And that's because God came to Abraham, watch me now, when he was in his 90s and said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a father over a great nation. Now, the problem with that is that Abraham's wife, Sarah, the factory was closed. She was in her 90s, and she could no longer have children. You see, they wanted to have children, but they never had children. So they just accepted the fact that they would never have children in their life. They were well beyond the years of having kids. But God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, you're going to have an entire nation come out of you. And Abraham's like, God, are you serious? I mean, have you seen my wife? She's not exactly in prime shape to have kids. As a matter of fact, the scriptures record that Sarah was listening in. She was eavesdropping like a good wife. Hello. Eavesdropping like a good wife when God was talking to Abraham. And when she heard the voice of the Lord say that you are going to have a child, she laughed. She laughed <laughs> because she's like, maybe God doesn't know how old I really am. But God was about to do a miracle through him and God reset her womb. Think about that for a second. Her womb that was well beyond the age of having children, God reset her womb. There was only one thing. One thing that God asked of her, when, uh, asked of Abraham, when, when he, the word of the Lord came to Abraham and he began to tell him that I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you a father of many. There was only one thing that God said to Abraham. God said, Abraham, I just need you to believe. I just need you to believe. You've got to believe against all odds. You've got to believe even though it seems impossible. You've got to believe even though everyone is going to think you're crazy. Abraham, you got to believe because it is crazy. It's insane for you to have a kid in your 90s, but I just need for you to believe. You see, every great reset starts with that. You've just got to believe. That's where the beginning of reset start. Will you just believe? And wouldn't you know it? An entire nation did come out of them. Not just one, but two. Not just one, but two. You have 
all of Isaac and all of the Ishmaelites that came out of him. God gave him double for his trouble. That, that's really his fault because it was only supposed to be Isaac, but Abraham tried to do it his own way. That's a whole other message for a whole other time. But, but what God did was God blessed Abraham, but he just asked him to believe. And Abraham's belief was on lock. I mean, Abraham's belief was so unshakable that we read about him all the way in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews when they talk about he is the father of our faith. No one believed like Abraham believed. No one has been able to accomplish the things in their life like Abraham because they did not believe like Abraham. So let me leave you with this statement. The only thing God needed to do in order to reset Abraham's life was to get him to believe God at his word. Can you just believe God at his word. I think about someone else who had a great reset in his life. His name is Jacob. Do y'all remember Jacob? Jacob would come later in that same lineage of Abraham, and, and Jacob comes into this world now, and, and, and Jacob, he's, he's got some issues at home. You see, Jacob was the twin to Esau, and Esau came out of the womb first, but because they're twins, I mean, he only came out by minutes, but that changed the trajectory of Jacob's life. In this culture and in this time, the firstborn child got the birthright, which meant they had rights to the physical property of the father. And so Esau and Jacob's father, Isaac, the son of Abraham, um, Esau was entitled to all of the property that would come. That was his birthright. But he was also entitled to the blessing from his father. So coming out of his mother's womb first was a game changer for Esau. And Jacob grew up knowing that. He despised his brother for it. He knew, man, it's not like I was born two years later. Maybe Jacob would have been at ease with it. But Jacob's like, you know, this ain't fair. We're born at the same day, separated by minutes. How come I can't get the birthright and the blessing? So here's what Jacob did. Jacob stole the birthright and Jacob stole the blessing. He stole the birthright from his brother Esau and he stole the blessing from his father, Isaac. This is who Jacob was before he had a radical encounter with God. So here's what happens. After he steals the birthright and after he steals the blessing, Jacob knows I can't live in this house anymore. I stole from my daddy and I stole from my brother. I better get up on out of here. So Jacob, is, he leaves town with the birthright and the blessing. And he goes eventually to this land that is owned by a gentleman by the name of Laban. Laban had a daughter that Jacob loved, wanted to marry her. Laban tricked Jacob and not only gave him the daughter they loved, but he also gave him a daughter that he really didn't want. So in a period of 14 years, Jacob married two of Laban's daughters. This is Bible time. I know you're probably thinking, what is going on with this guy marrying sisters? Bible time, okay? We'll talk about that at another time. But here's the point that I want you to get. Jacob had a radical encounter with God some 14 years later, 14 years after he had stole the birthright and the blessing from his brother and from his father. He had a radical encounter with God where as he slept one night, an angel came down and appeared before him. And Jacob looks up at this angel and says, I want your blessing. 
He's telling this angel, I want your blessing. That angel's probably looking at him like, dude, you already stole your daddy's blessing. You stole your brother's birthright. What do you want from me? But what Jacob was saying, because he knew that he was seeing an angel of the Lord, he was saying, I want God to bless me. I've, I've got my father's blessing. I stole my brother's birthright, but I need that blessing for, for, from God over my life because I know I'm not a good person. I know I've been doing some shady things. I know I've been doing some things that I shouldn't be doing. But if God would come and bless my life, maybe he can redeem all of this brokenness in my life. And so in that moment, Jacob wrestles with the angel and he refuses to let that angel go until the day. He says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And the angel blessed Jacob and changed his name. He had a hard reset right there. He reset his identity. Say, okay, okay, I'm going to bless you. You're no longer going to be Jacob. You're going to be Israel from this point forward because you have prevailed with God and you have power with God now, okay? I've changed your identity. Now, many people will look to that moment and say, that's Jacob's reset moment. That's the moment when Jacob changed, but that's not really the place where he changed. That's not really the place that he changed. You see, in order to get to that moment, he had to listen to the word of the Lord all the way back in Genesis chapter 31, verse 3. Let me read it to you. Then the Lord said to Jacob, at this time, Jacob's living in Laban's land. Some 14 years later, he says, then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your father, Isaac, and your grandfather, Abraham, and to your relatives, hello, Esau, there, and I will be with you. Time out. The last time Jacob was there, Jacob stole from his dad, stole from his brother, and he left. God says, go back home. And he begins to tell him who he's going to meet. You're going you're to go back home to the land of Isaac, your father. You're going to go back home to the land of Abraham. And you're going to go back home to where your relatives live. He was saying where your brother Esau was. Now, now, I want you to get this. This is the point where Jacob's life really changes because he has to decide, am I going to stay here in the land of Laban and completely ignore God and, and, and ignore what he's asking me to do? Or am I willing to do the hard thing in order to change who I am? Come on, did you get that? Am I willing to do the hard thing? Am I willing to go back home even though it's going to be difficult? Am I willing to go back home where my brother wants to kill me? Am I willing to go back home where I've got a bad reputation? Am I willing to go back to the hard place because God is calling me to? I wrote this down. What is God calling you to do now that is going to change who you are going to become tomorrow? What is God calling you to do now that is going to change who you will become tomorrow? That's the thing that you need to do in order to reset. Many people think that Jacob's big moment was wrestling the angel. No, you've got to understand, if he doesn't first leave the land of Laban and go back to the land of his father, he never has an encounter with an angel where his very nature is changed and he has a reset moment in his life. He had to be willing to do the hard thing. So Abraham had to believe God. But Jacob had to do the hard thing. You want to have a reset in your life? You've got to be willing to do the hard thing. I know a lot of us don't want to do the hard thing. We want the results of the hard thing without actually doing the hard thing. <laughs> Isn't that right? That's why if you look on YouTube, how many of you, just do a word search for hacks. There's hacks all over YouTube. People are like, okay, you can experience all the benefits of the hard work without ever having to do the hard work. Just do this hack. 
Hacks are popular. Everyone wants a hack, but a reset in your life doesn't happen by a hack. A reset in your life happens by doing the hard thing. And wouldn't you know it? Jacob goes back to the land of his father, and when he gets there, rather than Esau try to kill him, Esau greets him with a hug and an embrace, just so happy that his brother was home. There's a whole other message that I could preach on that about when you do the hard thing. Listen, when you do the hard thing, God does the harder thing. God does the thing you can't do, but why don't you do the thing that you can do? If you'll go, I'll go change your brother's heart. If you just meet me in your father's land, I'll make your brother not want to kill you anymore. But Jacob first had to do the hard thing. So can you believe God for a reset? Are you willing to do the hard thing for a reset? The last thing is, can you be consistent with it? Can you be consistent with it? I think about the third person who had a major reset in his life, and that's a person by the name of Paul. Y'all remember Paul? We meet Paul in the New Testament. But when we meet Paul, his name isn't Paul. His name is Saul. And Saul was a disciple of the Pharisee teacher Gamaliel. And Saul believed that all of these early Jesus followers that were spreading this message of Jesus, the resurrected Messiah, he wanted to shut them all down. So much so that he began to kill them. He began to arrange for their arrests. He began to go and do the hard work to have them rounded up because he wanted to snuff out this message. And in Acts chapter 9, Saul is on his way to Damascus to go round up some more Christians and to have them killed, persecuted, arrested, whatever it may be. And God has a radical encounter with Saul. It's in Acts chapter 9. He knocks him off his horse. Saul sees a blinding light and, and God says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you, Lord? It's an incredible story. And he has to go to the house. Um, he has to go to the nearest house that he is able to and he has to sit at that house and wait until God would send one of his followers to come in to pray for him and he's experiencing blindness in his moment but in this physical blindness he's realizing that spiritually he also was blind in this moment of physical blindness he's realizing that his life was misguided and he was in need of a reset he was in need of a reset. And so in Acts chapter 9, finally, the, 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 the Jesus follower, Ananias, comes and he prays for him. All of a sudden, the Bible records that scales fell from Saul's eyes. He's able to see again, and he has this radical reset for Christ. He has this radical reset where he is not just a Jesus follower, but he is a crazy, devout Jesus follower. So much so that he became a spectacle. So much so that many in the early church thought there is no way this could be true. Saul used to kill Christians and God had to speak to the disciples to protect Saul because there were many people who wanted to kill him. Now he was stuck because not only did the Christians want to kill him because he was killing them and their family members, but then he had, then you had these Jewish leaders that wanted to kill him because they're like, hold on a second now. Th th this Saul, I mean, he was one of us and, and now he's become a Jesus follower. That's like, that's like Kevin Durant, you know, leaving the Oklahoma City Thunder and going to the Golden State Warriors like we can't lose him. And, and that's what it was like. Sorry, basketball reference. I'm, I'm a guy. Give me a pass. Okay. So, um, but that the Jews were like, we got to kill Saul because now he's on their team. But here's my point of all of that. 
Saul has this radical conversion in Acts chapter 9. And he's now, he, he is now becoming a follower of Jesus. And for the next three and a half years, he kind of disappears. They don't talk about him much because he has had to submit to the disciples. He has had to submit to their leadership and quietly learn from them. But we pick up in Acts chapter 13 and we see Saul again. We see Saul again. And if you read chapter 13, beginning at verse 1, going down, a few, pass, a, few, a few verses there, the Bible refers to Saul many, many times. Even though he's had this radical change, this radical encounter with God, they were still calling him Saul and not Paul. Saul would eventually become the Apostle Paul, and with that change, there was an identity change in him, and Paul is the Apostle. He is a devout Jesus follower, but they were still calling him by his old name. So in the book of Acts chapter 13, they weren't calling him Paul, even though he's been radically changed. They were still calling him Saul, even though he was around the disciples and he was doing the work. What does Pastor Josh mean by all of that? This is what I am trying to tell you. Who you are becoming is more important than what they call you. Okay, who you are becoming is more important than what they call you. If there is a title or a position that you want, don't wait for them to give you that title or to give you that position for you to start walking in that title or for you to start walking in that position. You have got to start walking in it now and the title will come later. You have got to be, you have got to start becoming that person now and the title will catch up. The problem is, and, 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 and hear me out millennials, because you do this a lot. You do this a lot. You want the title first before you do the work. And I'm not trying to pick on you, but the thing is, when I worked at Northrop Grumman and, 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 and I was with them for eight years, um, I came in shortly after college. But once I got to be about 30 years old and I was with the company, my boss realized that he was having a hard time connecting with all the college kids. So I said, OK, Josh, you're 30 years old. It's your job and your responsibility to train all these kids coming out of college and coming into work because I, I don't connect with these millennials. I spent a long time working with millennials and I saw that they all had this same thing. They all had this same trait. They wanted the title now, but they didn't want to do the work. But listen, you have got to do the work now, and the title will follow you. Listen, when you are resetting in your life, you have got to do the work, even though other people aren't patting you on the back. You have got to do the work, even if they're still calling you by your old name and by your old nature. You have got to do the work until you become the person you've been trying to become. But you got to keep working. You got to keep pressing. Listen, do not surrender your ability to change to the opinions of other people. I'll say that one more time. Do not surrender your ability to change to the opinions of other people. So here's what happens. They don't call Saul Paul until Paul goes on his first missionary journey. But for years, he's with him, hanging out with him. And he's still Saul. Saul, the dude that wreaked havoc on the church. He doesn't become Paul until years later, and he goes on his first missionary trip. And then they're like, okay, we're going to go ahead and start calling him Paul and Barnabas. And Paul, he's gonna go, he, we're going to start calling him Paul, and he and Barnabas are going to go on this missionary trip. But it took years for his name change to catch up. You see, a reset in your life is not just believing, it's not just doing the hard work, but it's being consistent. You have got to be willing to do the thing in public that God told you to do in private. 
You have got to be willing to do the hard work in public without the recognition, without the esteem, without people sharing your applause. I think about this thing that I've heard about. I, I, my kids are still young and, and they're not on social media, but, but I hear about this from parents who are parents to teenagers and they tell me, Pastor, it, you know, like my daughter will post a picture on social media and if she does not get the amount of likes she hoped to get within the first 30 minutes or the first 60 minutes, she'll delete her photo. I'm like, really? And, 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 and that's a small example of some of you, what you do in your life. You, you make a change, but man, if people don't applaud you for that right away, you abandon it. Well, no one appreciated me. No one believed in me. You got to be consistent. You got to keep going even when people are not there to applaud you. So Abraham changes and Jacob changes and Paul changes. And they're able to change in spite of their environments and in spite of everything. They, they hit that reset button. Remember I was talking to you about internet modems and I'm getting ready to come to a close now. Remember when I was talking to you about internet modems? So funny thing happened. We're all home during quarantine and um, I'm working from home. My wife's working from home and my, my son is home and he's doing online school. And uh, that internet speed was, was like at a crawl. And I get on the phone and I call my provider. I said, I got to boost my speed. They said, in your area where you live, that's as fast as it's going to get. And I'm thinking the devil is a liar. I got work I need to do. So I had to make an internet provider change. And I jumped over to Cox because they had the gigablast. So I'm like, upgrade my internet speed. I need to go fast. So I get the modem. They mail it to my home. There it is with that reset button. Very hard to find in the back. You need a pin. You got to be MacGyver, all of that. And uh, so I get the internet modem. I put it there and I'm, I'm reading the instructions. And then on the instructions, it says we have an app. If you download our app, you'll be able to control your internet modem. If you download our app, you'll be able to reset your modem from the comfort of your own home. Don't you just love a good app? I love a good app. When something is so complicated, but they make an application on your phone and, and that little application on your phone, oh, it makes it so much easier to do the hard thing that you wanted to do. I can, no more bobby pins, no more bringing my modem out of where I've got it parked and reaching behind and hitting that reset button. I, I, I can just go to the app and hit that app and start to see the reset that I want to see. But that got me thinking for a moment. You know what an app is? It's a derivative of the same words as application and apply. It's the same word. It's the same word. It's derived from application or to apply. And, and, and you know what I see throughout this Bible? A lot of apps. I, I see a lot of applications that are going to help you to reset your life. I, I see a lot of applications that are going to give you the tools that you need. There's a lot of applications. There's a great app called Prayer. And what you have to do is you have to actually apply that to your life. It's not enough to just take a picture and post it to social media and say, I'm doing 21 days of prayer, but you never actually pray. No, no, no. You, you actually have to apply that to your life. You've got to apply 
prayer to your life. There's another great app in the Bible that's called fasting. It helps you to break your flesh down. Fasting gives you, it, it really, it, it, when you are breaking down your flesh, you're empowering your spirit. And so there's this great app called fasting, but you have to apply it. You're never going to see that breakthrough if you don't apply it. There's this other app in the Bible. It's called worship. Worship can get you into the presence of God, but you have to apply it. It's not enough just to watch people on YouTube worship and say, I just love the way they worship. Oh, they're so good. Look at how good he sings. Oh, it's Brother Jimmy. He's my favorite worship leader. I just love the way he worships. You have to apply it. You actually have to apply it. And so you want to see a reset in your life. You've got to believe. you got to do the hard work. you got to be consistent. But listen to me, you have got to apply God's word to your life. What if the difference from 2020 to 2021 wasn't that, it wasn't that you discovered a new thing, but you applied something to your life that you've never done? That could be the difference between where you were and where you want to go. It's simply applying that to my life. And that's what James is saying here. James says this, if you don't obey it, you're only fooling yourself. We've got this message and we can't just be hearers of the word, but we have to be doers of the word. I want to leave you with this last statement. You have the power to reset your life by simply applying God's word to your life. You have the power to reset your life by simply applying God's word to your life. There's no hack, but there's a bunch of apps. There's a bunch of things that you can do. And if you would just simply apply those things to your life, here in 2020, here in 2021, we are going to apply prayer. In 2021, we are going to apply worship. In 2021, we are going to apply devotion. We are going to apply discipline. We are going to apply a, a, a daily rhythm of meditation in the Word. We are going to apply these daily rhythms of praise. We are going to apply thanksgiving and, and thankfulness. We are going to apply generosity. What would happen to your life if you actually started applying God's Word? And Lighthouse, I believe that you can have the greatest year ever if you would just start to apply God's word to your life, there is an app for what you are going through. Apply it. There is an app for what you need. Apply God's word to your life. Listen, if, if you're ready to make that commitment that 2021 is going to be that year that you apply those things to your life, come on, lean in. I want to pray for you. I want to bless you. And I'm just going to believe that God's going to give you the power and the strength to begin to live this out. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for meeting us here. I'm so thankful, God, for the opportunity we had to dive into your word, to read of Abraham, to read of Jacob, to read of Paul, and to learn from them. But right now, God, as I learned about how you reset their life, I've got this holy jealousy, Father. I've got this, this righteous envy because I want that kind of reset in my life. I want that type of reset that Paul had. I, I want that type of reset that Abraham had. And if you did it for them, you could do it for me. And so right now, in your name, I do the things they did. I, I'm going to believe you at your word. I'm going to roll up my sleeves and do the hard work. And number three, I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to do it, Father, for your approval, for your applause, and no one else. I'm not going to do this for the approval of anyone 
but you. And when I do those things, God, I pray that you would just begin to break down these barriers that have been in my life, that chains would begin to break. I believe, Father, that when I begin to apply prayer and fast and worship and devotion and discipline, Father, this is going to be a year where I'm going to come out of this stronger and I'm going to come out of this better. This is going to be the year that I reset. In your precious name we pray. Amen. And listen, there's one more thing I got to do. We do this at the end of uh, all of our services that we do in person at Lighthouse, and we love doing that online as well. And that is simply asking you who have not yet made a decision to follow Jesus to make a decision now and, and to go ahead and put your faith in him and that you would make that decision to follow him. Are you ready to take that next step and to follow Jesus? Are you ready to commit your life to him? Or maybe you need to recommit your life to him. Then I want to lead you in a prayer right there where you're at. As I pray these words, would you just pray them at home as well? Father, I'm so thankful for today, and I'm thankful for this moment. This is a moment where I can have a fresh start. So right now, I, I pray, Father, that you would forgive me of my sin. I repent of the wrong that I have done. I, I turn my back to that old lifestyle, and Father, I run to you. I run towards you. I want what you have for me. I receive you. I receive your son. I receive your forgiveness and the grace and the mercy that you freely give me. I receive your spirit now, and I begin anew on this day, and I will follow you, Father, for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.